0: Amen. Thank you, ladies. What a blessing. Uh, I tell you, there's probably nothing that encourages my heart more around here than watching our young people serve the Lord. Uh, it's exciting to me. I know we're living in desperate times and I know that uh, it doesn't look good and the world's going to end tomorrow morning at 8.37. I know all of that stuff. I hear it too. But boy, it gives me hope when I see our young people serving the Lord. Uh, And I know that when we're dead and gone, if the Lord hasn't come yet, that we've got a generation behind us coming up, wanting to serve the Lord. That excites me very much. And uh, I pray we can instill something in all of these young people. Good to see our guys up here on the front tonight. And I hope we can instill something in them that they will take Central Baptist Church even further than we did. That should be the goal. That uh, they help this light shine even brighter here in Hattiesburg and use a blessing to me tonight ladies and guys when you sing it's a blessing to me as well. Good to see you tonight. Hope you've had a good afternoon. Hope you got a little bit of a rest in and uh, I, uh, I was able to take my wife out of the house a little while. I uh, said let's get out and get some sunshine, get a little bit of uh, breeze and so we put the top down on the bug and took her around for a little bit of uh, air but then she kind of got wore out and I took her back to the house to rest. You pray for her, Lord willing, I hope she'll be back with us real soon. And uh, I miss her, but we got a lot of folks tonight that kind of got this bug going around. Uh, Pray for them. If you notice someone who's normally here on Sunday night, they're not here, reach out to them. Let them know, hey, I just want you to know you were missed. You don't have to pry. Where were you at on Sunday night, all right? Don't do that. Uh, Let them know. Say, hey, I just want you to know you were missed. And is there anything I can do for you? Some Gatorade, something like that. And, well, that's the blessing of a church family. We're going to talk a little bit about that tonight and uh, try to encourage you a little bit. Out of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter number 10, I did want to uh, acknowledge, Miss Mercy, where are you at? There she is over here. Glad to have Mercy Cepeda here with us tonight. I've known this young lady since uh, uh, she was a teenager, I guess. Were you a teenager? And uh, came and uh, had the opportunity to serve with her there at Bayou. Came and worked a few summers with us at our church and just faithful to the Lord and a good friend with the Bakers and uh, flew in from a mission trip to Honduras, correct? El Salvador, uh, and then hopped in a car and drove over here. Amen. She wins the award for coming the furthest to church today. We're glad to have her here. She loves the Lord, faithful to the Lord. And uh, it's a blessing to see these young people. I I know she's a woman now, but uh, I remember her as a teenager, still serving God. What a blessing. There are good young people out there. And I want to encourage our young people to keep doing the same. But good to see you tonight. Thanks for coming. I always enjoy seeing you and getting to fellowship with you a little bit. Hebrews chapter number 10 tonight. uh, Very simple thought. I want to share with you if you look down to verse number 23. Let's go ahead and stand. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 23. Uh, I told you I'd give you some time back tonight. And uh, I'm going to do my best to do that, just share three simple truths with you. I want to encourage our Sunday night crowd a little bit, uh, try to be a blessing to you in this area of our church and the importance of our church. And the Lord's blessed us lately. We've had such great services, uh, visitors in every service. We're seeing good decisions being made. God's blessing our church and we're growing and we want to keep that going. And tonight we're going to look at this specific topic of the church it's the responsibilities we have as church members, uh, things we need to be mindful of. We're going to pick up in verse 23. There's a lot of context here uh, for the sake of time tonight. Just going to read three verses starting verse number 23. The Bible says, Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promise. We preached that a little bit this morning. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Verse 25 is one we know well. We're going to really key in on it tonight. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let's ask the Lord to bless. Lord, I do thank you for your word, and I thank you for your church. I thank you for the privilege to come tonight. Thank you for the good singing, our young people. What a blessing that was, and pray that you continue to bless and use them for your glory. Now, Lord, the next few minutes as we open your word, Lord, it's quick and powerful. And I pray that your word, Lord, would be allowed to accomplish all that you send it to do in our hearts tonight. And I pray that, Lord, you'd preach and reach far beyond what I can do. And bless, Lord, in this time that we have that your will be done. Help us submit to that even now in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. On, um, I was thinking about Saturday nights around our house and we have had quite the um, routine on Saturday nights now for I don't know how many years uh, of what we do. And I've mentioned to you before, Saturday nights, I uh, spent a little time with Leslie and Miley there in the living room. But then, I don't know, around 7.30, 8 o'clock, maybe it's a hair later, I begin to retreat to the back and uh, start praying and preparing for Sunday morning and trying to draw everything back together. I, I can't be too terribly prepared too early uh, sometimes I, I start taking too much confidence in what I've prepared and not enough in the Lord. So I've learned for years that's uh, some routine that works for me. And, uh, and then about 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, I'll shift to the living room. And uh, Leslie and Miley will go back and they'll go to bed and we start picking out our clothes. I think it's probably a routine most people do. Does everybody do that? You start picking out what you're going to wear on Sunday morning. And uh, I have a little, uh, I think it's called a valet in my room. It's a little wooden thing that a friend gave me years ago. And I'm able to pick out my shirt and hang it on there. And it's got a little a rod across the bottom for my pants and my suit coat. And my cufflinks go on the top and Leslie always matches me a tie there. And so I have my clothes ready because I think we all know. Uh, If you're not ready, come Sunday morning, it could end up in chaos and definitely give place to the devil. Amen? Especially if you have kids, right? Uh, You're like, what are you wearing? I don't know. Is it in the dryer? I'm not sure. Is it clean? And you're digging it out of dirty clothes. Two wrinkles. Well, I'm going to throw it in the dryer for a little while. And you're like, gosh, i got to start getting ready a little bit earlier. Now, I'm being totally honest with you. Uh, We've had days like that. You know, we haven't got everything together yet and we're scrambling around and, you know, it doesn't take me long to brush my hair. It takes my girls a little bit longer to brush their hair and definitely have more than I do. And uh, we're scrambling around. Before you know it, our spirits are a little bit sour on Sunday morning sometimes because we haven't really gotten ready for church. All right, we're just throwing it together there at the end. Uh, We'll get in our car around uh, 8.45, 8.50, start driving to the church, try to get here by 9 and Leslie's going through her checklist, what she needs to do and Sunday school, getting that together, make sure our handouts are ready to go out and who's working nursery today, um, is Miley going to work or is Leslie going to work, trying to figure all that out and trying to get all of that done before church and to get ready and I think we'd all agree there's a lot of things have to happen for us to get ready for church on a Saturday night or maybe even a Sunday morning. But tonight, what I want to talk about is, is something a little bit deeper, a whole lot deeper, actually. Is how often do we get ready for church spiritually? Meaning, you know, we set our clothes out and we're going to try to all match. Oh, man, last Sunday was Easter. Everybody's looking good last Sunday. All the pastel colors in here. And uh, I may have gotten picked on a little bit uh, by Brother Kenneth for my pink shirt uh, that I was wearing. And then I show up tonight driving a Volkswagen. And, man, that doesn't even look good, you know. Wearing a pink shirt on one Sunday and then slipped down the slope a little bit driving a Volkswagen. But... Uh, We look good and we got all dressed and everything was prepared on Sunday, but how often do we put that much work in to getting ready for church spiritually? Making sure our hearts are ready and our minds are ready that when we come to church, we're not just making an appearance. All right, now, I think every person in this room tonight has been guilty of coming to church out of ritual. I think we've all done that at least once or twice in our life to where, you know, i got to get up out of the couch on Sunday afternoon. It's been a short afternoon. I, you know, get to church. i got to go. Why? Because it's more of a ritual. But the truth of the matter is tonight, for the child of God, church carries a great responsibility. That you and I coming together, gathering together is not just something we do to be super Christians, but uh, there's a great charge that God gives the church and a great benefit that the church is to God's people that tonight I'm going to look at just for a few minutes. There's three things in verse 23, 24, and 25 that really help us understand the importance of what church means to us and what it should mean to us and why we should be spiritually ready before we come to this place. Now look at verse 25. Verse 25 really culminates everything and It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. That's pretty obvious what that means, coming together as the manner of some is. But watch this. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So the Bible's talking about church and the relevance of church and the importance of church and that importance growing even more as we see the day approaching. Could we agree that's what it's saying there? Exhorting one another, so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, I am not a prognosticator, and I'm not going to try to predict when the Lord's coming back. Uh, but it's definitely approaching. Can we agree with that? Definitely approaching. It's definitely closer tonight than it was last night. Uh, I know Brother Bo on his honeymoon right now, and I, I, he texted me a little bit earlier. And uh, man, watching church. I, I told him, I said, "You get brownie points, man. Watching church on your honeymoon. Bless you for that." And uh, he told me he says I wanted to stop at a Bucky's this morning. He's never stopped at a Bucky's, but it was during the church hour, and he didn't do that. And I was, Bravo, Bravo, he passed up a Buckys so that he could watch church. And folks, can I tell you something? Church is important, and I believe the day is approaching. I don't know how long, I don't know how soon, but the Lord's coming, and the importance of the church needs to be something worth getting ready for. So tonight, simple message I'm going to share with you on getting ready for church. And I mean this spiritually tonight, getting ready for church. Verse 25, the Bible says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. Now, I believe verse 25, watch this, has bearing on verse 24 and verse 23. So I believe they're complementary, and I wanna show you why uh, in the context they are complementary. Go back to verse 23. So verse 25 says, not forsaken the assembling of ourselves together. There's church, it ought to be important to us. Verse 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. He is faithful that promised. Now, notice the words hold fast, all right? Our profession is what we believe. Aren't you glad tonight we have a good profession? That what we believe is something steadfast and sure because faithful is he that has promised. But watch what the Bible says we should do with our profession and what we believe. The Bible says let us hold fast. Hold fast. Now, look. We're saved, we're sealed, and we're secure until the day of redemption. Thank God for that, because if you could lose it, I'd have lost it. Amen? I'd have lost it a long time ago. But the Bible says we're saved and we're sealed, and we have a good profession. But watch what we're supposed to do with that profession. Let us hold fast. Now, we're culminating with verse number 25 on the importance of church. And the Bible says two verses above that, that we need to learn to hold fast. You know what that means, number one, tonight? Let me show you what church does for you. Church will help strengthen your grip, all right? Church will help strengthen your grip. What does it say? Hold fast. That means grab hold. That means get a good grip on something. Why? Because it's something you ought to hold on to, not because you could lose it, but tonight, I don't want to lose my grip spiritually. I believe a lot of folks have forsaken the assembling of their selves together. What happens is we begin to lose our spiritual grip. We know he's not talking about losing our salvation. We can't lose our salvation. But he says, let us hold fast the profession of our faith. It's what we believe. Why? Because as we begin distancing ourselves from assembling ourselves together, you're going to lose your spiritual grip. You will lose your spiritual grip. I've seen it too often times, folks. It doesn't matter whether you were raised in a godly home and uh, a faithful preacher. Listen, you start neglecting the assembling of yourselves together. You know what's going to happen? You're going to lose your spiritual grip. You know, God's no respecter of persons, neither is Satan don't no cares what kind of home you come from, how many times you've read the Bible, uh, how many years you were faithful in Sunday school. It doesn't matter. If you, listen, do not uh, keep gathering together in that assembling of ourselves, you're going to lose your spiritual grip. And, folks, I want to tell you, it can happen quicker than you think. Several years ago at camp, we had a tug-of-war game with our kids, and uh, we decided to up the ante a little bit. We said, you know, tug-of-war. brother the tug-of-war is kind of an old game, you know, and we want to spice it up a little bit. And I said, I wish there was something we could put on the rope. I don't know if any of the teens are still in the church uh, now that we're here for that. Uh, KDM, maybe you were there when that happened. Some of these other teens. So we decided to coat the whole rope with peanut butter. Why peanut butter? Just because we found it in the food bank. Uh, Mom and Dad were. Mom and Dad would buy all these supplies and. Oh, man, they they were so merciful to me and my brothers. We put together camp games because we just go into the food bank, all right, what do we have a lot of? I mean, look, if it had been carrots, we'd have used carrots, but there wasn't a lot of carrots in there. So peanut butter, yeah, that'll work. And so we get out there and we coat this rope in peanut butter and we get the kids lined up, the kids are grabbing it and they're trying to hold on to it and they are slipping and sliding and yes, some of the guys, I don't think any of the girls were even licking their hands. That's why we have COVID, (laughs) These kids, man, they just, you know, good night. They probably had peanut butter coming out from under their fingernails for months. Man, it was hard to get a grip. It was hard to win the battle. It was hard to hold the ground. Why? They weren't able to get a good grip. Now, I'll tell you, church is where we have the opportunity to strengthen our grip, We come together, we hear the word of God uh, preached and taught in Sunday school. We fellowship together. We have ladies' Bible study, men's prayer breakfast, teen refresh. What is it all about? Are we just trying to fill the calendar to justify staff positions? Not at all. It's an opportunity to help us strengthen our grip. Why? Because we want to hold fast the profession of our faith. Because I promise you, it will slip through your hands quicker than you realize I know folks have been faithful, walking with God. Can I tell you, you can slip away from the Lord on vacation. Amen. Some of you are acting like it never happened to you. Yeah, you probably stopped at Bucky's. You skipped church. It ain't that big a deal. I'm going to pull on into Bucky's. That pulled pork sandwich is, is worth it. We can catch up church later. Can I tell you, it's that important. Why? Because once the rope begins to slip through your hands, it picks up speed. And folks, listen to me, I have sat time and time again in the office with people who are trying to get back where they need to be, and thank God for that, repentance is important, we all have to do it sooner or later, and I can just see the agony on their face of how hard it is to get that grip again. Can I tell you, I don't know what that's like, but I don't want to know what it's like either. How do we do that? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, why? So I can hold fast the profession of our faith. Church, help, church helps us do that. It helps us get a good grip, okay? Now leaving church, listen to me, will not cause you to lose your salvation. I'm glad for that. Leasing, leaving church will not cause you to lose your salvation, but I'll tell you what it will cause you to lose. You'll lose your grip. You'll lose your grip. You will find yourself. Listen to me, listen to me. Uh, I, I haven't been out of church long in my life because that man right back there knew how to use a leather belt. <laughs> I, I scared. Now that's probably, probably get arrested now. I hope the statute of limitations are over for that. he would probably get arrested now because I said that on live stream. And if I didn't want to go to church, I'm going to get a whooping. All right? I was going. It was just the state that I got there in was up to me. <laughs> you know, it's like you're going. You can either go there and you can just plop down or have to sit really easy on the way down. Why? Because it got rough. I'm thankful I never had experience that. But I'll tell you, you can drift away from God in your heart. You can do that in this building. But you stand a way better chance of keeping a good spiritual grip if you're faithful to do what? What verse 25 says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is. Hebrews 2.1, you know what the Bible says? Therefore we ought to give the more earnest heed to the things which we have heard, lest at any time we should let them slip. Every time you read that, I want you to always remember the peanut butter rope. Okay? You're never going to be able to read that again without thinking about the peanut butter tug of war. All right? We should give the more earnest heed. That means attention. Church, listen, the Word of God, the will of God, give it your attention. Why? Because the Bible says if you don't give it your attention, you know what's going to happen? You're going to start losing your spiritual grip. I've got friends I've grown up with in church, Brother Aaron. I have some of the same mutual friends we've grown up with uh, and uh, surrendered to a ministry together and served the Lord together. No longer in ministry, right, Brother Aaron? No longer in ministry. Some in prison. Some no longer with us. Some made some really bad mistakes. Hey, thank God for grace. I've made mistakes too, right? Sit down and talk. Hey, what happened? What happened? Slowly begin to lose their grip. Hear me out tonight. Church strengthens our grip. Verse 23, what does it say? Hold fast. Get a good grip. I, uh, yesterday at Brother Bo's wedding, I, I met up with a friend of mine I used to go scuba diving with. He was one of the guys that was with me when I had my scuba accident. And um, I think Brother Richard and I were talking to him yesterday during the reception. He was talking about wanting to go diving again. We're kind of texting each other, hey, why don't we go diving again? It's been a little while since I've been diving. And I begin to think to myself, you know, it's been so long since I have gone through a refresher course. I'm afraid this time I might have an accident and not recover from it. Why? Because it's been so long since I opened up that book and flipped through. I mean, you know what's kind of dangerous going down under the water? You got all this water pressing down on you, 14 pounds per square inch. And the deeper you go, the atmospheres and you get the bends and you get bubbles and you, and you die. And I thought to myself, "Ooh, you know, maybe I just ought to stick to snorkeling for a while. Stay on the top, you know. Stick to, to Bowie River or to Leaf River. Just stay with somebody's swimming pool. You know, see, I haven't, I haven't had a refresher in a while, and I'm not very confident that I could do it safely. Now, folks, that's the way living the Christian life is. If you don't have a refresher, as often as you can get it, you're liable to do something that ends up hurting you and hurting your family. 1 Thessalonians 5 21, the Bible says, prove all things, hold fast to that which is good. Now, who's he talking to? 1 Thessalonians, talking to the church at Thessalonica. We're talking about saved people. You know what he's telling the church to do? Uh, And I say this kindly he's telling them, you better get a grip. You better get a grip. He says, hold fast to that which is good. That means you better get a good grip on it. Why? Because before you know it, you start losing your spiritual grip, and the devil snatches it out of your hands, and you lose everything. Why? Because you started drifting, forsaking the assembling of yourselves together. Folks, I'm not trying to scare you tonight, uh, but if it works, it works. Because the devil has a bead on your family. Your home, your heart and this church. Number one, church strengthens our grip. Now, what are we strengthening our grip for? Watch what it says. Without wavering. If you don't get a good grip, you're going to waver. You're going to waver. D.L. Moody said church attendance is as vital to a disciple as a transfusion of rich, healthy blood to a sick man. You need it. Acts chapter 2, the Bible says they received, verse 41, they received the word of God and were baptized. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, the Bible says they continued daily, steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. What were they doing? They were getting a good grip on what they believed, their profession of faith. Now hear me out. When I got saved, I'm, I'm thankful he made it simple that even a child could be saved. But when I got saved, I didn't understand what justification was all about sanctification, repentance. I'm glad you don't have to figure all of that out before you can get saved. Man, I got saved, and all right, I've got my profession, but watch this. Do you know what God wanted me to have? A firm possession. That not only do I know what I believe, but I know why I believe it. Do you know where I got that from? Church. Listen to me. If you bring your kids to church, and the only reason they're coming is out of a ritual, don't be surprised if they lose their grip when they turn 18 they got to know not only what we believe, but why we believe it. That, hey, this word is true. Hey, this is the inspired and errant word of God. This is not a fable or a fairy tale. Hey, this will keep them afloat when nothing else will. The problem is, look, this all right, did you read your verses today? All right, I read my verses today. Oh, no, 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 it can't be a ritual. It's got to be a responsibility that I need this tonight in my life. Why? So that I can strengthen my grip. All right, let's hurry. Let's look at the second thing. You look down to verse 24, hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. Verse 24, what else should we do and what else is church important to us about? Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, I love progression when I read the word of God. All right, verse 23, what's it talking about? Verse 23 is talking about what we do for our faith, all right? Let us hold fast. But then now, it goes beyond us in verse 24. Let us consider one another. So watch this. Verse 25, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together. Not only is it important for me that I learn to get a good grip and it strengthens my grip, but now verse 24 is talking about one another. So it goes beyond me. You see, church attendance, watch this. It's not just for you. Church attendance in verse 25 Number two, notice church strengthens our group. It strengthens our grip. It strengthens our group. Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. Now, understand this. We're not talking numerically. We're talking spiritually. We could fill this building up, be 500 people up there, 500 people down here. But if we don't have a good group on it, a good grip on it, all we are is a group of people. We need a good spiritual grip. How do we do that? Well, verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. And I want you to think about this, when we forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, not only does it affect you, but it encourages others. You know when a pastor gets up behind the pulpit and he says, it's good to see you? You know, that's not in vain. It is so good to see you. I've told you this before, and I mean this. You'd be amazed at how good the devil is with an empty chair. You just thought wrestlers were good with empty chairs, Right? <laughs> I saw a little bit back in the 80s. It's not real, okay? It's not. Well, the devil can do a number with an empty chair. You know what the devil can do with an empty chair? He can beat discouragement into somebody. It's not that big a deal. And watch this. We're not considering one another to provoke unto love. We're provoking unto discouragement. I want to tell you something. I'll tell myself just a little bit. One of the greatest burdens you should carry as a believer is for other believers. It's one of the greatest burdens you should carry. So how do you know that? Well, what does the Scripture say? Galatians 6.10, as we therefore have, as we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. We do good unto all men, but the Bible says especially to them of the household of faith. You know, when I look out and you're in your place, you encourage me. Thank you. When people see you in your place it encourages them it's a blessing to them you know what you're provoking them to do you're provoking them to the good works of being in their place and they're in their place i'm going to stand in my place i'm going to be faithful in my place but wait a minute when i'm not in my place do you know what i'm provoking people to do discouragement here's what i want to tell them there have been times in my life that i have been a discouragement now hear me out all right if i preach truth in love, the way the Word of God tells me I'm supposed to preach truth and you get discouraged by that, I can't apologize for that, right, that's, that's what I'm called to do. But boy, if, if I do something outside the will and the Word of God that discourages you, oh, can I tell you what a burden that would be to carry knowing I discouraged somebody. You ever thought about it before we make decisions, is what I'm about to do, is that going to be an encouragement or a discouragement? What does the Bible say we're supposed to do for one another? The Bible says Colossians 3:16, "Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord." The Bible says we're supposed to edify one another. Build each other up. Hey, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves. What does it do? Church strengthens our group. not only? Listen, does it strengthen our grip individually, it strengthens our group, because we see, hey, it's important to them, and it's provoking them to be important to me. The other day, I was watching a little boy, a little girl. I don't know, probably seven, eight years old, brother and sister, no doubt. They're sitting beside each other. Mom says, "This is your chair for the boy, and this is your chair for the girl." So they're sitting side by side. So the boy—it's usually the boy—puts his hand down, and with his pinky crosses over onto her chair, and just leaves. I'm watching this happen, and I'm like, "I Leslie, look, so look at that, look at that well, a few minutes later, his sister's just looking around, and, and it's like the devil turned her head. And she goes, he goes, and then it's a home. Mom was too busy on her phone to recognize what was going on. Mom's sitting there playing her phone, and I'm watching. It's, I mean, it's like, it's like these undercover ninjas just real quick, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, the sister just had enough, and she's about to let him have it. And when the sister draws back, that's when mom woke up all of a sudden and realized, hey, I got trouble. But I was watching this kid. He was provoking her. And I'm thinking, surely I didn't do that. And my mom and dad said, yeah, I'm sure you did. There's something in all of us naturally that want to provoke people, isn't there? Sometimes I provoke my wife. We know she's watching tonight. Love you, dear. All right? We know where those buttons are at, don't we? And and the Lord's like, don't do it, and the devil's like, push it, and the Lord's like, no, you know better than that. No, I'm like, "Ah, you're gonna push it anyway, and you're gonna live with the consequences of it. We provoke each other, don't we? We provoke each other. I mean, some of you like to provoke me about uh, about LSU. Hey, fair game, fair game. That's all right. Go right ahead. And we poke each other about ball team. We poke each other about all kinds of things, you know. My pink shirt that I wore last Sunday. We just poke each other and we provoke each other. Can I ever have thought about this? How good are you at provoking people to good works? Provoking people to good works. Can I tell you one of the easiest ways you can do that? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. It encourages me. Man, I, I come out and you'd be amazed at the conversations me and Satan have between my office and this platform. Preachers that are in here tonight can bear witness of that. We have a lot of conversations on the way here, and you open up that door, and you fix to look out for the first time, and that's either going to be a huge encouragement, or the devil's fixing to whip me with some empty chairs. I'm being totally honest with you. Boy, you walk out that door, and people in their place, folks are where they need to be. It's not the numbers; it's faithfulness. That's what it's about. You know, I don't get paid on commission here. It don't work that way. But knowing you're a part of a group that finds it important to be faithful. Oh, my soul, what an encouragement that is. It's provoking unto what? Good works. I'm not going to take the time to read it tonight. Nehemiah chapter 3. Read it sometime. Look at all the names there. Look at all the names there. The guy says he was repairing this part of the wall, and he was repairing this part of the wall, and he was at the turning of the wall, and he was repairing the gate. Can you imagine what it felt like to be somebody up on that wall looking around, seeing this guy do his job, and this guy do his job? It had to be an encouragement. It had to be an encouragement. That everybody was in their place. Church, number two, strengthens our group. Finally, I'll give you the last thing. Verse 25, the Bible says, not forsaking. It doesn't mean sometimes you're not going to miss. Forsaking means turning your back on it. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. We'd be here every chance we get, but sometimes we're not here. As the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, watch this, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Watch the progression. Church strengthens your grip. It strengthens our group. All right, what is our group doing? Are we just gathering together as a group? The Bible says we are looking for something. So much the more as you see the day approaching. You know, that day that's approaching, that's the day we're working for, isn't it? Isn't that the day we're working for? I mean, when you're out at your job, what day are you working for? Friday. You know, unless you're a preacher. Friday just means, all right, you're about to work the one day of the week that you work. Okay, that's what Friday says for us. That's the day you're working for. But as a Christian, we're working for the day, the coming of the Lord. That's the day we're working for. That's the day when the night comes when no man can work. That's what we're working for. Do you know what that day is? It's our goal. It's our goal. Number three, watch closely. Church strengthens our grip, strengthens our group, and finally it strengthens our goals. When we're faithful to come together, we're strengthened as we look together and exhort one another so much the more as we see the day approaching. You know, it's a blessing when people look around and, look, everybody could have been off today. Beautiful day. Been a good day to go get you a hammock, stretch it between two trees right there on the creek bank, and and tie a fishing string to your toe and throw it out there and just fall asleep fishing. Oh, that'd be great, wouldn't it? You could have done that today. Uh, I I mean, you could have went out and said, I'm going to be one of those people that go on a Sunday drive and hold up traffic for miles because I'm going 35 miles an hour when everybody else needs to get somewhere. You could have been that person and say, you know what, I just don't have time to make it back tonight. But you made it back. Do Do you know what that says? We got spiritual goals we're working toward. I need to be here tonight. Why? Because I'm exhorting one another. We're provoking unto good works so much the more as we see the day approaching. Now, let me give you a scripture and I'm going to close with this. Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verse 9. The Bible says two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. Can I tell you, there's more than two people in here tonight. If two have a good reward for their labor, can you imagine what kind of reward we'd all have if we worked toward the same goal? Can you imagine? I, I mean, I know we have differences in this room, and we have different ideals and philosophies and hobbies and things along that line, and we don't all agree on everything. But listen to me tonight. I think we could probably all agree the day is approaching, and that's the goal we should work to. And imagine the reward we'd have if we were faithful to press toward that mark and work toward that reward. I was thinking this afternoon, I'll close my Bible so you'll know I'm serious. All right? All right? Joshua, Caleb, and the ten other spies go into the promised land. They spy it out. They come back. (laughs) Those ten guys decide, we want to be a discouragement. Don't be one of them. Don't be one of them. Joshua and Caleb says, we're more than able. We're well able to take this land. God said we could. Let's go get it. I don't know that we find it really in Scripture, but you have to know that Joshua was thankful for Caleb. And Caleb was thankful for Joshua. It would have been lonely if Joshua was one and it was 11. Or Caleb was one in verses 11. I just believe that Joshua looked over there and saw Caleb. Caleb looked over there and saw Joshua. And they never lost sight of their goal. They provoked one another to good works. They didn't forsake what God had called them to do. Understand this tonight, church is important, folks. The day and age we're living in, church is vital. If we're going to see revival, revival comes from His people, watch, all having the same goal. That's where revival comes from. We all decide we're going to have a goal to get right. We all decide we're going to have a goal to move forward, to work for the day when the Lord comes again. I don't know about you, I'm thankful for our church, really am. Lord's blessing, we see people coming, trying to build, trying to grow. But I want you to know, it's the existing church the Central Baptist Church right now that needs to make sure we're ready for church. We've got to make sure we're ready. Because we're going to teach all those new folks who come and visit and come be a part of our church. I'm thankful for each and every one of them. But we're teaching them. Hey, church is where you get a grip. Strengthen your grip. Church is where you strengthen your group. And church is where we all work together to strengthen our goals. And tonight, let's make sure that we're ready for church. Amen. We're not going to be ready for the Lord if we're not ready for church. And I pray that God will use that in the days and weeks to come. Let's pray together.